Hello, 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 ladies, gentlemen, gender non-conforming folks. You are listening to Concepts, one of the many shows on the Overeasy Airwaves. Hey. Hey. My, my name is Nicholas Tristan, and I'm joined, as always, by... Matt. It's Matt. That's my name. That's his name. I'm a one-name sort of game. You love those mononyms. That's not true. My name is Matt Warriesmith, everyone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You might know that from listening to any of the hundreds of podcasts that Nick and I have made together. Yep. Yeah. Hundreds and hundreds should of we, them. Should we name them all right now? Yep. Okay. So we've got Concepts. Yep. We've got Zeitgeist. Yep. We've got Awesome Sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got um, The Incredible Adventures of Nick and Matt in uh, Time Travel Zone. Mm-hmm. We have... Um, a hundred billion podcasts forever and ever hour, amen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's five. That's five. Why don't we? We'll count down the rest of the other sure. ninety-five later on in the show. Okay. Okay. Uh, whenever you think of another show, just bring it up, and then we'll do it in chunks of five. Right. Perfect. Okay. Uh, great. So, uh, yeah, uh, like I said in my terrific intro, you are listening to Concepts, a show about concept albums. What are they? Are they good? Are you a? Are you the listener? A concept album? No, you're not. You're definitely not. That's one of the things we haven't really tackled yet on the show, but we can say pretty much unequivocally that you as a human being are not a, a concept album. No, no. Concept albums are recorded media. Mm-hmm. Recorded, I think that's usually one, music. Yeah, that's those. That's one of the things. Uh, I think by the end of this show, uh, we'll have a, a really concrete definition of what a concept album is. And I think right now we, we can both agree that it's usually recorded media. Yeah, it's almost always not human beings. Mm-hmm. Great. Correct. Yeah. Well, welcome to Concepts. Uh, yeah. So today we are talking about an album called Pinkerton. Yeah. If you couldn't tell uh, from uh, from the song that brought us in, maybe if you listened to the show before, uh, we generally only play the music of the album we're doing. Mm-hmm. Generally. Uh, just Shut a up. little thing we do here Sometime. on the show. <laughs> and we do like to have fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're doing uh, Weezer's uh, Pinkerton um, which it took us a little while to get to this one because mm-hmm. generally we, we, we've done a pretty good job, I think, so far on the show of having albums that you and I, even if we have differing opinions on whether it's a concept album or not, mm-hmm. generally we've done albums that we both enjoy. It, to, to a degree, for sure. I mean... Um... American Idiot is certainly our most uh, well, our yeah, least like album today. I guess to date. neither of us like that. Yeah, one. Uh, but but overall, we do some uh, we do albums that we have pretty similar opinions on. I know I'm a much bigger fan of Blue than you are, and uh, well, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, I've come to really really love that album. I, it's a great fucking album, mm-hmm. and uh, and I I know I like Speaker Box more than you do, but I mean, uh, you know, like we have the Mollusk episode is coming mm-hmm. out relatively soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, so the, the reason I say that is because, uh, dear, dear listener, this episode is going to be a little contentious because it's an album that I really, really love mm-hmm. and Sweet Nico. I don't love it. And here's the thing. I would say, I would say I like it, but because it is so uh, beloved, I, I feel like I often end up arguing against it more than I end up arguing for it, if that right. makes sense. It's yeah, not. I mean, it's not a bad record. I think like... You would have to be uh, some kind of crazy uh, moon man to say that it's not at least competent. Yeah. Which brings us to the sixth podcast we have, mm-hmm. which is uh, Competent Nick- Moon Men. And then in our seventh podcast, Nick and uh, Nick and Matt versus the Moon Men. Yep. It's this. These five are an anthology series. Yeah. Our eighth podcast. Uh, it's called uh, Nick and Matt Return of the Moon Men. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, our ninth podcast is uh, Moon Men Chronicles. Mm-hmm. 
And the last, uh, the the 10th podcast, of course, is uh, Nick and Matt versus the Moon Man colon Endgame. <laughs> That's a good one. Thanks. Um, I don't know. I thought the series kind of lost its way around uh, Moon Men Chronicles, but it really came back. We jumped Endgame. the shark a little yeah. bit on that one. Yeah, literally. When they went to the moon? How crazy was that? <laughs> All right. So this is, uh, this is Pinkerton. <laughs> and uh, I think... This this uh, this one's a little different because we're going to be talking about our background with uh, the band Weezer. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about our background with the album Pinkerton, mm-hmm. and I think we're also going to be talking about our background with uh, what this album is based on. A little bit of background there, but we won't get to that yet. Mm. We'll start with I think first the band Weezer. Why don't we just start a little bit about the album before we get okay. too much into it? Uh, Pinkerton. Okay, way to just steamroll me, Matthew. Yeah, uh, and that brings us to our eleventh podcast. <laughs> Matt steamrolls <laughs> Nick. <laughs> Okay, talk right. about Pinkerton. Okay, okay yeah. Uh, Pinkerton is the second studio album by Weezer coming off of 94's album Weezer, Weezer. Most, uh, mostly known as the Blue Album. Uh, Pinkerton came out in 1996, and then it was a few years until they released their next album, which was titled... Weezer, <laughs> often called the Green Album. Yeah, and and from now on, uh, dear listeners, we will refer to uh, Weezer's three eponymous records, Weezer, Weezer, and Weezer, as the Blue Album, the Green Album, and the White Album. Mm-hmm. And the White Album, yeah. yeah. There is also the Red Album. Ah, oh, fuck. Four eponymous records. Sorry. Um, I, damn it, I knew I should have uh, uh, I I gone to Weezer school. <laughs> I knew I should have stayed home today. Um, uh, so Pinkerton, uh, basically what happened is they released Blue Album. It mm-hmm. was... Pretty successful. Um, Hugely successful. Buddy Holly was uh, uh, a big, big hit. A lot of uh, modern rock and college rock radio play. Uh, they were, you know, top of the top of the, the top charts. of the world. Yeah, top of the world. And then basically, uh, Rivers Cuomo was like, became a little disillusioned with being a rock star and went to went back to school. Went to Harvard in that time, mm-hmm. basically. And in the time that he was at Harvard, he he wrote some of the songs. A lot of the songs on this record actually which I think is an interesting point to bring up when we start talking about how much it's based on the opera. Um, a lot of these songs were written before Blue Album. There's a few songs on this album that were not even written for this album. That's very interesting. Which kind of works against that. Yeah. Which is something we'll talk about later. Uh, it's the last album they uh, uh, recorded with their bassist, Matt Sharp, before he left the band. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, they wrote it over the, uh, the course of a few years. Uh, originally, it was supposed to be a uh, rock opera, I think something about a black hole. Like yeah, a, like a sci-fi fantasy rock, uh, opera. rock opera, but still having some basis in Madame Butterfly, I believe. Songs from the Black Hole was the yeah. original title. Uh, which is insane. <laughs> yeah, and luckily they scrapped that for, for the better option. <laughs> um, not much more to say about this record. You know, it was recorded in California. Uh, they had uh, they didn't have a producer for this. They mm-hmm. decided they wanted to be a little more rock and roll, so it's mm-hmm. like really heavy guitars and super heavy drums. Yeah, so uh, Blue Album and then uh, the album that comes after, the Green Album, are both produced by uh, Rick Osarek mm-hmm. from The Cars. Really excellent uh, uh, pop rock producer, I'd say. And I think he is definitely what gave those two records their kind of... Sheen. Yep. Because <laughs> they, they sound really good. Yep. They're really crisp, really clear, really, you know, poppy. And production wise, I think that's one of the reasons why I, when I was a kid, when I was really getting into Weezer to begin with, Blue Album was obviously my go to. Mm-hmm. And then once I became a teen and then into my adult years, I switched from An that to Pinkerton. Teen. Once I became angry, uh, and boy, am I livid. <laughs> I switched to Pinkerton because it doesn't have that same sheen and because it's a little more aggressive. Sure. By far the most aggressive album. Well, the, uh, what a good segue. Are you talking about your background with, we- or Ween, with Weezer right it's now? It's so easy to just talk about Ween instead. Should we just but talk about Ween? No. Why don't we? That brings us to our other podcast. No, we already mentioned that one. Yeah. Um, should I go first? Yeah, Since go I first. Since I already started you... talking about it. Uh, Weezer, to me, 
you know, so I was born in the year of our Lord, 1990. Mm-hmm. So when Blue Album came out in 94, I didn't really know what was going on. I was You're in like, my... Goo Gaga. I was in my Raffi stage at that point. Um, but... Uh, I would say around 99, 2000, as I started to get older, I started to appreciate. And I have older brothers. I have two older brothers, um, one of which was into the Blue Album. And uh, when I was about 12, I started to like really, really become obsessed with the Blue Album. And mm-hmm. it was, it still to this day remains one of my favorite albums of all time. Um, even though Green Album came out after Pinkerton, it took me a little while to get into Pinkerton because it was a little too aggressive for little child Maddie. Uh-huh. But once I started to really listen to rock music, once I was 13, and I was like, oh, you know what? I love Billy Talent. Then I was like, Weezer isn't even that hard of music anymore. And I started really loving Pinkerton. Uh, I've seen them live many times. Didn't know that. Um, I, uh, I've come to be sort of, as I think a lot of Weezer fans are, uh, uh, a little disillusioned, a little confused as to some of the choices they've made. Or I saw them live uh, maybe five years ago or something like that at the ACC here in Toronto, and it was like a bizarre, bizarre show. Rivers Cuomo played drums for a little while, and they wore jump jumpsuits. It was like this big stadium rock thing, and I was like, man, I liked them better when they were fucking nerds. And Rivers Cuomo used to wear like a like a down vest, over, yeah. you know, like, and he looked really shy. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so that's what I think about Weezer. <laughs> Your thoughts. My background with Weezer. Thank you for asking, Matt. Um, I, 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 mine is totally different uh, than yours, except I also got into Pinkerton quite late, uh, comparatively speaking. I bought uh, the Green Album, I believe, if not the year it came out, the next year. So I was 12, I think. So 2002, I think. Uh, I bought uh, the Green Album because I because Hashpipe, as we said, was fucking everywhere, yeah. and I liked it, and I still like it uh, to a degree. I mean, for me, it's a little more an, an album of nostalgia than an album of high quality. Mm-hmm. I know, I know, people Weezer fans tend to be like, "Oh, it's their last good album," or it's like, it's not a, like a huge, huge uh, uh, touchstone for a lot of people, but it's generally like liked. Yeah. Uh, but uh, here's my bizarre confession. I didn't listen to the Blue Album until about three years ago. Wow. Isn't that weird? Like, I'd heard uh, Buddy Holly, obviously. Yeah, but, and probably uh, like you've heard someone sing Sweater Song at karaoke on Probably, times. yeah. But uh, but I remember my friend um, my friend Sebastian uh, was playing, and I was like, what's this? And he was like, are you fucking kidding me? It's the, fucking, it's the fucking Blue Album. And I was like, mm-hmm. I'm just a little baby boy. <laughs> I'm just a little baby boy. But uh, like most uh, people who lived through the 2000s, I uh, was perplexed by the music that Weezer released. Uh, I remember when Beverly Hills came out. What was that? Is that on the Red Album? or is No, it- Beverly Hills is from uh, not Hurley, but the one before. Everything Will Be Fine. Mm, is they that what it's called? I don't know. A lot of records. It also had that song with Alicia Cuthbert in the music yeah. video. Uh, anyway, uh and I was just like, what the fuck? Make-believe. It's called make-believe. Make-believe, yeah. I was just like, what the fuck is this? This is awful. But uh, I found Pink... I f- first listened to Pinkerton on probably my first year living in Toronto, so that was about seven years ago, and very unimpressed. I found it navel-gazy. Pinkerton? Yeah, Pinkerton. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't think it was very interesting musically. Mm-hmm. And then it j- I kind of put it away. Uh, and I think as we talk about the record, I'll talk a little bit more with my background. Um, I had to, I researched it for a job interview I had at the Canadian Opera Company. So this is a good segue into talking about uh, what it is sort of based on. Yeah. The opera. Yeah, so Madame Butterfly is an opera by um, 
uh, Giancino, I can't remember his first name, uh, Puccini. Uh, it's uh, 1904 or 1903, I believe. Uh, and it comes in kind of his uh, middle period. Mm-hmm. So Puccini is, uh, for those who don't know, Puccini is one of the great uh, uh, writers of Italian opera. Uh, sort of the the big the big three at least in the Romantic period are Rossini that leads into Verdi that leads into Puccini and, Puc- and they all rhyme and they all they're Isn't all Italian ah uh, hey I'm making you a nice opera <laughs> we've had many cease and desist <laughs> oh, no. from the Italian federal government just asking <laughs> us to to just stop being so racist towards so Italians, racist Italians. <laughs> um, so yeah so the his uh, Puccini's middle period is when he surpassed Verdi and became uh, the Highlander of uh, of opera, if you will. There can only be one. Yep. Uh, so his his middle period uh, begins with La Boheme, and then goes into uh, Tosca, and then goes into uh, Madame Butterfly, and uh, around and so the story of Madame Butterfly. It's the story of a uh, a Chinese concubine that falls in love with a uh, British soldier, a visiting British soldier named. And uh, it's we won't get into the whole plot of the opera. It's very convoluted, but it's a story of uh, of loss and longing. And Pinkerton is basically a gigantic asshole who loves and leaves. If I recall correctly, he in the first act they get married. Then he goes back to America. Yeah, she has his child. Right. England. I, believe. I just keep thinking of it as Rivers Cuomo. He goes back to England. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Chio has his child. Yeah, she has his child. And then when he comes back, he brings his like his new, new wife yeah. back with him. Yeah, so he, he and has then, no and then, regard for uh, what she thought was a real marriage. And, and then like, I believe oh, he's too cowardly to tell her about it. So he yeah. has his new wife tell her about it. Yeah. And then she kills herself. She kills herself. Uh, and um, yeah, so that's... that's Chocho. His, yeah. Is that her name? Chocho, yeah. Chocho Sam. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's Chocho. Um, and I think so it's that, Japanese, not Chinese, and I'm pretty sure it's American. Am I wrong? Uh, why don't you look that up? I'm looking it up. Um, I, I'm getting confused because I'm thinking of the David Cronenberg M. Butterfly, where it's an American soldier in Vietnam. But it, anyway, Ma, uh, as Massey looks that up, I'll uh, talk a little bit about the background of why it's... China or Japan. Uh, so around this time, uh, there was an extremely popular uh, World's Fair in Paris uh, where what completely swept uh, Europe, Western Europe at the time was uh, this influx of um, art and artifacts and uh, and weapons and music that all came from China and Japan, what was known as the Far East. And it, it created this huge, huge um, movement of Orientalism. You get it in uh, the music of Debussy and Ravel, and you also get it in, in operas where the sort of the popular imagination at that time in Western Europe was completely captivated by uh, by the Far East. So you got things like uh, uh, Madame Butterfly and then years later, uh, Turandot, um, another uh, Puccini opera that's that's set in China, even though it, it, it's an, uh, a Persian story. But that's fine. Mm-hmm. They're all the same. Um, so, yeah, so Madame Butterfly was created uh, as to, you know, kind of satisfy this Orientalist uh, desire. And it is... I will say this, it is very sympathetic towards its Asian characters. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little, uh, it's not a very accurate portrayal of uh, uh, of these cultures, but I mean, uh, at least 
the villain in the piece is the uh, the Westerner uh, mm-hmm. Colonel Pinkerton, uh, rather than uh, rather than someone in these countries. But it is it is a story of uh, imperial uh, Western imperialism and uh, and and a culture uh, culture clash. A U.S. naval officer US. named Pinkerton rents a house on a hill in Nagasaki, Japan. Oh, okay, that makes sense. I knew it was Japan because. At least in Pinkerton, there's well, yeah, it's so, so many much, Japanese Yeah, so much things. Japanese stuff, and I was actually going to comment on that, because so, like, it's in China, but well, well, who's the racist one now? <laughs> you Me. are, you are, Nick. Uh, uh, also, well, also like, Chocho-san, like, San mm-hmm. is a Japanese prefix, oh, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, well, well, there you go. That's Madame Butterfly. Looks like I'm smart, and you're dumb, Nick. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so, uh, Rivers Cuomo, in the making of Pinkerton, uh, in the writing of Pinkerton, was really, uh obsessed with uh, some of the scenes in Madame Butterfly for the reason of... He, he loves a yeah. Japanese girl. He, yeah, so he so it came from a, a fan letter. I think there's a few there's a few different things that happen in here. And I think this is a good time to talk about exactly how much the opera influenced the story. Yeah, that's as a good, far good topic. as I can tell, there's a few references name wise, Pinkerton there's a song called Butterfly. Mm-hmm. In El Scorcho, he says, listening to Chocho San. So there's character references. But otherwise, the only thing I think that the opera has to do with uh, the album is the idea of a Westerner looking at Japan, an American looking at Japan through a lens that's very like, ooh, the Japanese are very fragile. And also, and that's sort of like, erotic to him yeah or or like it's it's sensual and and that's how he sees it but he doesn't really see uh japan as like you know they're their own people with their own pride and their own feelings yeah and i feel like that is the huge influence that comes over yeah so the two things that are like really strong things that happen to rivers cuomo is one of them is he received a fan letter from a girl in japan uh, and then across the sea, that song essentially mm-hmm. is just about that letter, and and he became so. Uh, there's a thing where he talks about he was at Harvard, he was feeling kind of lonely. He's like a huge rock star going to an Ivy League school, didn't have a lot of friends. I think was working hard on this record. He got this fan letter and became like enamored with this with this person that he'd never met. At the same time, there was an actual, like, I think, Japanese-American girl who went to Harvard that he had a crush on. Mm-hmm. Half Japanese, I believe. Of that's, course. That's mentioned in one of the songs. Um, so that's, like, two separate people. And I think both of those, he must have, dis- I don't know what his history personally with the opera is, but I think he was seeing parallels in his life to the opera. Yeah. And that's sort of what where it comes from. Yeah, and, and we'll certainly get to this when we talk about the, like, specific lyrical content, but it really says a lot that he identifies with with Pinkerton. Yeah, for right? sure. Like, it is, he is because such a... Because Pinkerton's a fucking asshole. Yeah, he's a fucking asshole, and he's, like, a very, like, dastardly character. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and that, that was a huge, uh, it, it speaks a lot to where Rivers Cuomo's, Rivers Cuomo's mindset was at that time, mm-hmm. that he viewed himself as basically a villain. Yeah. I think, um... Yeah, I mean, I'd like to talk about the music of it, and I think we can go, we don't necessarily have to go through song by song, but no. I'd like to talk about the album and the themes and lyrically and mm, the we'll different songs and, and what we have. Uh, why don't we take a short break? I would love that. Uh, let me bring it out on a song from that old album that you may be familiar with, Pinkerton. And if not, you will be. Come right back to Concepts. We're not going anywhere, neither should you. I see 
Guys, ladies, uh, non-gender specific term for whoever is listening to this podcast, are you like me and you're sick and tired of hearing these stupid ads of the same people running the same shows on this network? Are you like me and you're sick and tired of recording bumpers for your own shows? I don't want to do it anymore. It's not It's not that fun. It's uh, taking up time when I, you know, I got other stuff. I'm going to the movies later today uh, for a 450 showing of a film. It's going to be in 3D, but I'm not going to tell you what it is because by the time this bumper comes out, it may not be relevant anymore. Listen, if you don't want to listen to me and you don't want me to record any more bumpers, which I don't want to, and I sincerely hope you don't want me to, you can take out some ad space here on uh, Over Easy Airwaves, uh, or you could just uh, give us some money and keep listening to me uh, do these bumpers and support us in any way you can. Look, here's the deal. This company is run by a bunch of bums. Who, who are we kidding? We're bums. Uh, we're bumming around. We're making content uh, for you to enjoy. The least you could do is take out some ad space with us. Uh, well, the least you could do is just send us money. Well, the least you could do is nothing, but I sincerely hope you take one of those first two options. We could use the support um, in any advertising or any uh, sponsorship ways that you guys uh, feel like doing. If you don't feel like doing it, I'm not here to tell you how to live your life, uh, but you should seriously consider it because we would really appreciate it. And, you know, it helps us bring all this wonderful content out to you. So uh, if you'd like to sponsor or you'd like to take out some ad space with us, you can totally do that. Shoot us an email at info at overeasyairwaves.com. And uh, if, you know, we get enough support, you'll never have to hear from me again. Unless you want to, then you can listen to any one of the shows that I'm on. My name's Matt, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Welcome back to the show, Lardies and Jarms. It's a new one. It's a new one. I like it. I just invented it. Uh, welcome back to Concepts. We're talking about uh, Weezer's 96 masterpiece, mm. Pinkerton. Uh, we've been talking about the opera Madame Butterfly, Madama mm-hmm. Butterfly. Is that it? I mean, those I freaky mean, Italians, they're, all, they're yeah. up to all sorts of no good stuff. Come get me, government. <laughs> I'm in Canada. <laughs> Uh, and we so let's talk about. I'd like to know mm-hmm. what it is about this album. I mean, you mentioned you thought it was a little navel gazy, mm-hmm. but let's. I'd like to know more specifically what it is that you don't like about this album. Well, I'm glad you asked, Matt. Uh, I I just it, I would say it's even more a lack of positives rather than a ton of negatives. I don't like this album lyrically. Mm-hmm. I think um, Weezer has a tendency even on their good stuff to be excessively literal. And I, I just find like this album is a blunt tool. Like it is just rivers. It's like rivers. Cuomo is like, what am I feeling today? And he wrote a list and then put it to music. And I, I just find, I find the lyrics very weak. Mm-hmm. Uh, and musically it's fine. It's not really my cup of tea personally. Like some songs have like really good melodies but it's also it's like it some of it takes like elements of pop uh pop rock I don't like like some super repetitive choruses and combines it with elements of harder rock I don't like which is just like 
some, some like I, I don't love how it sounds. Okay, so like, I like I like how it sounds. I think over I think musically it's a better record than it is lyrically for me. I agree that the lyrics are not super strong, and I think you're right. I think the best way to put it is that Rivers Cuomo doesn't really write with a lot of. Uh, like it's not super poetic. He doesn't yeah. use any like simile or metaphor. Yeah. It's all it's all very much just like literal th- feelings. Sure, and and I think like uh, like if you compare this to Blue, which are both you know very raw, very personal records, how someone expresses their pain says a lot about who they are as a person, mm-hmm. and especially in how they write. And for me, listening to Joni Mitchell, you get. There's a lot of depths to her writing, mm-hmm. even when she's being literal. Mm-hmm. With Rivers Cuomo, I just I'm like I just see a person I don't like. <laughs> I think you know? that's like, a, that's a really interesting point, and I've never really in listening to this album as many times as I have. I've never really, which is interesting because I'm like a lyric guy. I like really good lyrics. I like really sure. great songwriting. I'd never put too much thought into what I think about the lyrics on this album. Yeah, I definitely think that it's acceptable in songwriting to be super literal. Of course, of and, course. And, and, and I think and don't that, don't mistake what I'm saying for saying that I want all stuff to be oblique. For sure, no. But, but even even Joni Mitchell writes super literal sometimes. Yep. But it just it, it it's like like I said, like windows into their personalities. And Rivers Cuomo seems like a just a un, unpleasant piece of shit on this record. I think he totally might be, which is which is kind of interesting mm-hmm. because it's honest. It's all very honest. at no point does he Hugely. paint a picture of himself. Exactly, like that's part of you know that's... him casting himself as Pinkerton. Yeah, is that he's recognizing that he's not a great dude mm-hmm. or, or whatever. And another thing I think is interesting in that, like, um, what year is Blue from? Nineteen seventy five, seventy four. So uh, like, no, seventy two. Almost all lyrics in at that time, especially like folk lyrics were steeped in so much metaphor. Like that's how you would write songs back then. I love thinking about Pinkerton as a precursor to like emo rock music and essentially a genre. I don't like it's a genre. I don't like either, but this is an album I do like. And it's an example. It's like an early example of a whiny white guy, just like wearing his feelings on his sleeve and playing sonically music that, is like aggressive and angry and sad in nature. Sure. Which, even though you're right, I don't really like emo music either. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, to me, when he does it on this record, the way that they do it works so well. And I think it like the music and and the the production and the lyrics they all match each other. You know, like even though you don't think the lyrics are particularly strong. And and you're right that like a lot of the music, while I love the music and the melodies, I think there's a lot of really good stuff in here. The music isn't particularly interesting. It's like hard rocking power yeah, chords. Some, but that's classic Weezer. Yeah, some stuff has uh some stuff has like some cool little harmonic twists and turns. It's performed well, but it it I think because there it, do, it doesn't go that extra that extra step for mm-hmm. me. It doesn't have it's not like uh like someone like Elliot Smith, who writes stuff that could be considered, you know, white man, self-loathing, whiny stuff. But Elliot Smith writes songs that are so captivating and compelling to me, whereas this just, a lot of it just lands with a deafening sud. Uh, like, I, so as you know, I don't know if the listeners know this, but I really don't like Elliot Smith. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I think that, that maybe that's the thing. Like, I found Elliot Smith at a time in my life when people really fucking like 
L.A. Smith style stuff. And I think you found this when you were in high school and when you were an angry young teen. For sure. Yeah. And I found this when I was a, uh, a big boy. Yeah, you were so, a, a big widow baby. A big widow. I was a big widow baby. Uh, <laughs> and I needed my bottle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think that has a lot to do with it. I will say uh, you mentioned that m- maybe Rivers Cuomo is a piece of shit. And this is my like hot take of hot takes when it comes to Weezer fandom. I really like we- Rivers Cuomo. I love. He's one of my favorite interviewers and like interviewees in rock. He is because he's so candid and interesting. Without I like being, him too. Yeah, like he just seems like he's he has a lot of self awareness, which God, a lot of rock stars don't have. So he knows exactly what he does and exactly what he's doing, and he he gets it. He's like, I I understand why people didn't like Hurley or um, Everything Will Be Fine or those records. But well, those uh, you, you know what's funny though? I even a lot of Weezer fans I don't think say this, but I like. Uh, Hurley, I didn't listen to at all. I couldn't name you. A, or yeah. same with that other one you just mentioned. Yeah. But even, Everything Will Be Fine has a very, very good uh, cover. That's even the only thing I remember. Make Believe and even Red Album have some songs that I like. Did you listen and to I think are classic Weezer. And uh, there's definitely tons of stuff that falls flat. It's interesting that you think that Pinkerton has songs that, like, fall, like, thud, as you said. Yeah. as a Like, because I think... A lot of what this album does well is it's essentially Rivers Cuomo being whiny like Elliot Smith, but instead of like doing it in his room in a corner, he's like fucking kicking someone's door down and screaming it to them. Like there's so much balls on this album. Yeah, it's and and I I guess it's it's that kind of ragey aggressive thing that doesn't work for me without something backing it up mm-hmm. like these songs are just okay at their best like there's no like I, uh, my favorite song on this record is across the sea which i think is it's a really gorgeous song but i don't know and and you said like what like what what falls flat like i think tired of sex is one of the worst songs mm-hmm. on a, like a popular album like a modern rock masterpiece like i'm like and to put it as your album opener my god yeah it's a little um it's not my favorite song in this album, but, you know, I, I think a lot of this has to do, honestly, you just put it so well. Like, you discovered this stuff at the wrong time. Yeah. Now you're an adult with strong opinions about music. Exactly. And it's too late for you. Whereas, I, I mean, I feel like, you know, it's an interesting conversation to say to talk about in a person's lifetime as they grow and as their musical uh, mu- moods and their musical opinions change and how much of why those change happen. Wow. I forgot how to speak English, why those changes are happening and how much of it is based on your musical taste being shaped as you grow. And as that time changes, hundred percent, like me, no one's musical tastes are formed in a vacuum. No. We like you, you're not born with things you innately like mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to music. It's all what you're exposed to, how you're exposed to it. Those memories you create in association uh, with the music you listen to. And, um, yeah, and, and, and it's interesting that, um, cause normally I like aggressive music just for the, the reason you said that it's, it's just like, it has that power to it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like when, when there's something that's just like, this is what I feel, I'm putting it out there. Like I can think of a lot of records that are that, that are this aggressive that I, I don't have a problem with, but I just think Maybe you need something interesting backing up, like uh, to talk about a band we never talk about, uh, American experimental rock group Ween. Um, they're like they're unpalatable brown stuff. 
that I really like is the like fucking screamy aggressive stuff. Right. Because like I love the pod. Right. Because it's I get it and it's interesting and it it like resonates with like a very dark place. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this doesn't resonate with me because maybe because I I don't. It's a whole album about Rivers Cuomo's fetishes and. And not even sexual fetishes, just like what he he it's like he him just, fetishizing, fetishizing culture essentially. Yeah, it, it's it's cultural appropriation. The album, and <laughs> it's it's and it, it's fine. And and because and I'm not going to say yeah, I'm not going to say it's uh, um, it's like oh, this is a deeply problematic album because he cops to it, mm-hmm. and he, then that's what and he called it Pinkerton, and he's very self aware about it. But it doesn't resonate with me. And if an album doesn't resonate with me lyrically, I can't get behind the anger, you know? Sure. Otherwise, I'd just be listening to Screamo. Yeah. I mean, I think what makes, what differentiates this album from a lot of, like, heart, like, the reason, like I mentioned, I got into this and, like, when I was listening to lots of Billy Talent, when I I was, like, you know? which also doesn't resonate with me. And that was, like, my most aggressive music phase. And generally, as an adult, and pretty much as a through line musically for my entire life, I haven't really loved a lot of really heavy music. Nowadays, I generally, fo- you know, go towards the mm. softer, folkier, nicer, nice yeah. music. Yeah, you like you like uh, chill music for chill boys and girls. I like chill music for chill widow babies uh, who need their widow bottles. Um, I, I kind of forgot what my, what my point was with that. But, oh, oh yeah, now I remember. So, so I don't really go for, like, screamo or anything like that. Even Billy Talent, I mentioned, I don't listen to that yeah. at all anymore because it's too heavy, too screamy for me. But this this album came at a time where it was like, it isn't screaming. It is pretty musical. Not at all. Yeah. One thing that I, I think that. Rivers Cuomo does um, really well, and this is something I mentioned to you before the mics were rolling, is just that I think as far as rock, like, relatively heavy rock music, pop rock music that was being made in the mid-90s, this is some of the most musical without being, like, shredding metal that has crazy tons of, like, theory and weird stuff going on. It's just, like, great, catchy, simple melodies, pretty basic chords with, like, fucking balls to it, which is exactly what Weezer, when they're at their best, is really, really good at. Yeah, and I think uh, um, a band that neither you nor I are super into but also kind of fits a little into that is pavement as well i honestly have um i would say pretty much zero history with pavement yeah i I don't know much about them at all i know a couple songs yeah uh but i mean that's definitely that like mid to late 90s uh um kind of like harder rock without being like metal or you know, hard rock. Even Weezer's fastest songs are not quite punk rock. You know, no, they're, it's no. all it's all kind of laid back. It's all kind of chill. You know, like Rivers Cuomo obviously has lots of influence. He lists like Ace Freely as an influence on this album. I don't. Okay, I could, so I could see that behind the jewel case of Pinkerton is a map that's supposed to be like part of Japan, but all of the places are renamed as either characters from Madame Butterfly or real people. There's uh, like a couple people who are named on the back of the album as being part of an island who are the two people who started the Weezer fan club. I'm pretty sure there's a free, an Ace Freely thing. Oh, so yeah. it's a fake map on the back, and it names just like all these people that were important to Rivers Cuomo at the time. And, and, and uh, I believe those two people 
who founded the fan club, uh, died in a car accident almost immediately after this record was released. Oh, I didn't know that at all. Very, it just contributed to uh, uh, Rivers Cuomo's uh, terrible mind state after this album was released. I had uh, never yeah, heard keep, that before. Keep talking about uh, our good friend Ace Freely, and, and, I'll, and I'll come back to some sure. of the the reaction to this record. Sure, um, uh, not just Ace Freely, but uh, one of the, I was just gonna uh, one of the songs that I don't like from their. Uh, later album, Red Album, is a song called Heart Songs, in which Rivers Cuomo, it's basically just like a Rivers Cuomo gushing about all the music that he's loved growing up, and he mentions about, you know, like, Van Halen taught me how to rock, and blah, blah, blah. But he also loves, as he mentions on the Blue Album, loves Buddy Holly, and loves pop music, and, mm-hmm. like, a lot of where his melodies and stuff come from, I think, is from a very poppy, catchy standpoint. Yep. But he also has a deep love of, like, heavy guitar music. And oh, that totally. And I think this album is just a great synthesis of, of all those kind of different things. There's some very, very good guitar on this record. Oh, I'll yeah. Say that. Um, yeah, so uh, I mentioned that... Uh, the uh, the reaction to this record was a little um, a little mixed. Actually, why don't why don't we take another break? Uh, uh, sure. Yeah, let's take another uh, quick break, and then we can talk about kind of the reaction to this record, uh, and and take it out from there. So, uh, Matthew, uh, well, well, why don't you play my 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 favorite song? Here we go. Greetings, salutations, and dingle-dongle to all my sweet little doggies out there. It's your good friend Matt here, and with me is my good friend... Nick. Here. I am here. (laughs) And we are talking about, you guessed it, another show that we have on this fine network you're listening to over Easy Airwaves. Why don't you... Uh, spin him a yarn there, Nick. The show is called Awesome Sound, and it's a podcast about the music of American alternative rock group, Ween. That's right. Uh, basically, I think they're the greatest band on earth, as do some other people. A whole bunch of other people disagree with that. Uh, and this is a show in which I convince everyone, including Nick, that they are, in fact, the greatest band in the history of the world. We start from uh, their most accessible albums and take it all the way to their crazy brown shit with some uh, fun diversions along the way. That's true. So why don't you tune on in to Awesome Sound, a podcast about American experimental rock band Ween, and we'll see you next time when you listen to us in podcast form. Awesome Sound is available on OverEasyAirwaves.com, iTunes, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Welcome back to Concepts. You're listening to El Scorcho, the lead single from the album Pinkerton by Weezer. 
so before the break, I talked about uh, the uh, kind of the reception to this album, uh, the reaction. Um, so about a few weeks before uh, the album or uh, or the lead single was released, Rivers Cuomo sent out a letter to uh, the fan club, uh, basically saying. This album is very different. Just so you know, like, I was in a very dark place when I was writing it. It's very sexist. It's very, uh, it, I sound I sound very cruel on it. Uh, just, like, like, please be aware of that when you're listening. And, he knew. Yeah, he knew. And that's the thing, like, he's got self-awareness, this boy. Uh, uh, and it came out, um, the single, uh, Bolsa single and uh, the album uh, debuted quite high on the charts and then just sank like a stone yeah it did not have a lot of it was a flop uh the um the most positive review it got was a three-star review from rolling stone most people kind of reacted to the way i do or like like this is uh self-indulgent it's whiny uh he he seems like an awful person and it was and the tenor of the reviews was so personal and so cutting that rivers kind of lost it Mm -hmm parallel to this the band did not like the record mm-hmm. the band felt that it was uh not their record it was his rivers record and um as you mentioned the bass player left the band uh it yeah so there was a lot of tension big loss for the yeah, band big loss for the band a lot of tension in the band as well as uh outside the band and then like i mentioned the uh the uh the fan club creators of the fan club were killed in a car accident it was just it. I, it's a sh- shock that uh, that Weezer made it through, and it was. It's what five years before their next record. Yeah, I think uh, this I was ninety six and two thousand one. Two thousand one is a green album. album, and so, and I think ultimately it was a smart decision to go back to to uh, Rekozerik to uh, put out something that's a little more polished, a little a little more sheen to it. Because, but it would have been really interesting to see what a follow up to Pinkerton in the same style would have been. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts, Matt. Uh, I mean, it's almost like it was destined to never happen again. Like, mm. all those things that you mentioned added to what this album is, and at no... Th- there was never any chance of them getting... T- I mean, it's it was very unlikely that they would ever s- continue on that same path. Yeah. Matt Sharp left the band, and I think they, as a band, made a conscious effort to be like, wow, is this what everyone thought of Pinkerton? Obviously, that's not what Weezer is about. And then they made the Green Album, which yeah. is like back to... Back to basics. Back to basics. Yeah. And and then I feel like their whole career has sort of been like a step on, a step off, where it's like they make a great record, then they make another record where they try to take it in a different direction. Yeah. No one likes it. And then they're like, hey, guys, guess what? We're classic Weezer again. But And then after a while, everyone was like, yeah, we're kind of sick of that shtick. It's not going to yeah. work anymore. Yeah. It, it, they definitely have had a, uh, a turbulent uh, 2000s. Uh, just in terms of like critical success, but what's interesting is that sometime, maybe after some of these records, you know, were bombing, we and people were you know going back to Pinkerton and reevaluating it. Um, uh, Rolling Stone amended their uh, their review to uh, have it be five stars. Uh, it ended up like on you, how long ago? A, f- a few years ago, it was around the time that they uh, did their best albums of all time uh, list. Their five hundred, five hundred. 200? Anyway. Uh, best album. stupidly large It was number. a stupidly large number, and it came <laughs> in at number 16 of best albums That's of awesome. all time, which... So, so you don't you, agree with that. I don't obviously. agree with that, but I... Mean, I 16 is really high. Yeah, but it, it's cool when albums are reassessed. I agree. Because sometimes it's, the uh, albums are ahead of their time, 
or uh, or they're just not appreciated, or the cultural context in which they're released wasn't right. So it is cool it's, when it's, you get it's like a fine wine. Yeah, like, uh, uh, like a fine Beaujolais. My good, like a beautiful sweet Beaujolais. Um, like uh, uh, my good friend Joni Mitchell, she released uh, "Hissing of Summer Lawns," which is considered by. Uh, a lot of people to be her best jazz period album and Rolling Stone gave it a half star review and which they called it the antithesis of music. <laughs> so and then in brackets, things, go yeah. fuck yourself. Jerry. Yeah. So they, there is definitely, uh, I love when, when things are reevaluated, even if I don't necessarily agree with the reevaluation, I at think, least it shows that someone's thinking about it. Yeah. You know? And it shows a fairness too, right? Yeah. Like people coming back to it and being like, Oh, we were wrong. I mean, uh, at least Rolling Stone, like cops to it. Uh, pitchfork is famous for, just like scrubbing their yeah. uh, their bad reviews of of hits. I know they did that with uh, um, oh what was it? I think it was a Bell and Sebastian record, and they gave it like one. And then they like did like a, when it was reissued, they gave it like nine point five and just like scrubbed just the got old rid review of you. out of existence. <laughs> nice one, guys. Yeah. So stick mean, to your guns. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I think you should at least mention the previous negative review and be like, we've reevaluated. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Nope. It's, I've reevaluated albums in, yeah. my, in my lifetime. Maybe I'll reevaluate this in 10 years. I mean, it sounds like you've already reevaluated a little bit since little your bit. initial listening. But definitely a little bit. And I think uh, just placing it in the broader co- context of Weezer's discography makes it look a lot better, mm-hmm. too. Why don't we take a second, too, because we've talked a lot about the music. We've talked a lot about uh, how it's an adaptation almost of the opera. One thing we haven't talked about really is, is it or is it not a concept album? You know, the the point of the show. The very concept of this show. (laughs) Uh, What do you think? I think it's a concept album. You do? I I mean, it's interesting. I've, because this is one where I think it's a concept album, not because I like sat down and poured over the lyrics and... uh, You wouldn't have to. You only have to listen to every song once. Yeah. Uh, But this is one where, unlike some of the other records we've done, um, Blue, uh, Random Access Memories, and uh, and Speaker Box, where it's not referred... Where it is constantly referred to as a concept album. Mm -hmm. It tops list of best concept albums. It is... Uh, it's on the list of uh, when you put put in concept albums in Google, it shows up in the the album search sandwich between four Alan Parsons project records. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but unlike uh, those other records, and I think we we settled on uh, Random Access Memories and Blue being concept records, but Speaker Box not being one. It is always sort of perceived as one. So I didn't even go into this being like, well, is it a concept album or is it not? Because I've just, I've been told by the media, man. See, I had the exact opposite reaction where I've spent my whole life thinking this was a concept album. And then just in the last little while, I didn't do any extra research into this because I love this album so much and I know it so well. But I just started thinking about, well, what is Madam Butterfly about and what is this album about? And I think there's definitely a lot of strong themes. And again, this is the, the conversation we're just going to have to, we're, we're destined to continue to have on this show. But do strong themes and and uh, basing it on something else, do those two things alone make it a concept album? Because And here's why I think it might not be. And, and I'm this isn't something where I've already decided I'm hard, oh, it's not a concept album, or oh, yes, it is. I'm totally on the fence because... As I mentioned, some of the songs on this album were written not for this album, mm-hmm. which immediately makes me think that if you're shoehorning albums in just because you like the song, that sort of dilutes the natural idea of it being a full concept album. I I, I would I would generally disagree with that because I think in some ways you could even argue the opposite, that you go back 
when you do have a strong somatic concept, you can go back and find things that things work. that 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 work and or come from the same headspace and the same somatic content. Like this song has this album has ten songs, which mm-hmm. I am a big fan of. Mm-hmm. I like the. Uh, I feel like that eight to ten song, the shorter albums are always. Uh, it's uh, there, this is like a yeah. purposely short album, as yeah. Well. It's which like which I which something. I appreciate, uh, but I feel like all ten songs relate directly to themes of isolation, alienation, but also uh, fetishization and. Um, uh, and sort of, you know, it's basically like a long, dark trip into River Cuomo's psyche. But I that's think, the concept, but really. I think that can be said for tons of of rock music that came out after Pinkerton. Tons sure. of emo music, tons of punk music has all of those themes. The difference is this has specific references to an opera. Yeah, but just because your reference, because. It, it has similar themes and it makes some references to it, but otherwise, like, there's no story that's the same but I at think all. We've, I think we've talked about this a lot, that you don't need a story to that's make true. a concept album. That's true. And also, like, I find a lot of the conceptual stuff with this album is in the packaging of it as much as in the music. You, but that And that's another huge part, uh, drawing on uh, external media, like Gorillaz, for instance. Mm-hmm. They, they're, con- they're conceptual because they are a conceptual band. So I think there's a lot of ways you can approach concept albums, and this one, even without having a, a linear story, every single song goes back to the, these these resonant themes, and I do think that a somatic tie-in is enough to make something a concept album if the themes are a little more unique. Mm-hmm. So, like with Joni Mitchell, we talked about how this—it's not just a, it's not if it's just in 10, uh, 10, 12 songs about breakups. I don't think that's really a concept album, but if it's 10 to 12 songs about the specific feeling of the blueness and sure. the, the, that is and travel. And, there's all sorts yeah, of stuff on there. Right yeah. There. And, and those, and so when it pulls on these same things that are a little more specific and a little more developed, like that's loving where, Asian girls, <laughs> loving Japanese girls. Exactly. Or, yeah, exactly. Though. True, and I true. think, I think if being able to draw on these themes that repeat again and again, that's where you get the concept album rather than uh, just having it be a story or something like Sgt. Pepper's where there's literally a concept behind the recording of the record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And Which I, there and wasn't I, really for this. Yeah. And and like maybe maybe there is, but I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's interesting that uh, there isn't more discussion on whether it's a concept album. I think it's definitely just been sort of heralded as this great achievement yeah. as a concept album and I think that's interesting I do think it is still a concept album though. and you know what I'm convinced you can see I'm I'm right now straddling this fence mm-hmm. I'm gonna it's swing my left very leg very erotic I know this fence that's shaped like a giant wiener I'm gonna swing my left foot over to the right side of the fence which as we all know is the concept album side Swoosh. and I'm gonna hop on down and here I am standing firmly on the concept side mm-hmm. you did it Nick I god I'm good well, you you know, you got me on Random Access Memories, too. So, And that's why this show is about learning. Yeah. It's about loving. Mm-hmm. It's about... Wieners. Yep. <laughs> well, well, folks, uh, I think we've, we've pretty much covered everything we wanted to cover. Yeah. Um, I, th- I feel like we got even more in-depth into this than we have on almost any other album we've talked about. Is it, that possible? I, I don't know. Maybe, oh, maybe each ep- subsequent episode is going to get deeper and deeper until, and deeper. Until we lose ourselves up our own buttholes. And deeper. 
All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening to Concepts. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, I hope you have enjoyed what you've heard. Uh, Pinkerton is a great album. That's definitely a concept album. No Mm -hmm. matter what Nick says, it's very good. (laughs) It's okay. Great. Uh, I'll give it three stars out of five. I'll give it. I'll retcon my original one, one which was zero stars, and give it five. Oh, beautiful. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening to Concepts, everyone. See you later. I love literally all of you. Her breast. I'm sorry for what I did. I did what my body told me to. I didn't mean to do your harm. Every time I pin.